Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today our guest is the number three Democrat in the House and a rising star in California politics, Congressman Pete Aguilar. I wanted you to hear from Aguilar because he is going places. For starters, he just turned 44, which is like being a teenager in Congress. He is the highest ranking Latino ever in the House and the House Democratic Caucus chairman. He has also been assigned a difficult task to win back several Republican-held House seats in California. If he does so, that could be key to Democrats winning back the House in 2024. And that would stop the ability of Republicans to pass legislation like a national ban on abortion or laws restricting LGBTQ rights. Perhaps most important, he's being mentored by Speaker Emerita Nancy Pelosi, who has been introducing him to the party's top donors and power brokers and teaching him how to rustle votes. Aguilar is different in other ways, too. Most of the California politicians who have become statewide or national leaders over the past 30 years have come from the Bay Area. Think Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, Gavin Newsom, Jerry Brown, Lieutenant Governor Eleni Kunalakis, Attorney General Rob Bonta, and so on. Aguilar comes from Redlands, a city of about 73,000 people in San Bernardino County. He grew up in a blue-collar family and went to public schools in the Inland Empire, a rare purple region of California, so he knows how to win districts that aren't dominated by Democrats. That has imbued him with an easygoing, approachable demeanor, and unlike many politicians, his colleagues tell me that he listens as well as he talks. We recorded this before Aguilar spoke at a fundraiser in the Oakland Hills this week to support a Planned Parenthood super PAC that raised $134,000 in one night, another sign of Aguilar's growing appeal. Yet he was unfazed by recording this podcast in the bedroom of one of the host's children, surrounded by posters of K-pop bands. I started by asking about his background, which is different from most other Californians who have ascended to the national stage. Well, it's, it's definitely different than some of the leaders we've had from California, all amazing public servants. But the lived experiences that, that I've had growing up in the Inland Empire, growing up in a community that was, you know, a little more, a little more purple than other places in the state. Some of the, the coasts in LA and San Francisco has definitely given me a different perspective. I think I can speak to some of the struggles that, that Californians go through, some of the economic disparities that people face. Someone who, you know, put myself through through college and received a Pell Grant, you know, but our family has to make choices just like a lot of other families as to which extracurricular activities the kids have to get to go to. And our kids go to public schools and are, are great, you know, contributors to, to our community. But those are the types of things that, that families are going through. And I think that the vantage point I have from the Inland Empire gives me a little bit of clarity and a little bit of a view into what that looks like for Californians across the state. I don't know if you saw this the other day, but outgoing Speaker Rendon in the uh, Assembly said, quote, we've done a shit job with Eastern California. You draw a straight line through California, Coachella, Inland Empire, Central Valley, up to Redding and up. 
we've done a shit job of making sure that they're anything close to equity in terms of resources on their side of the line. What can California do better in that way? And, and can the delegation do better? I think that we can all do better and we can all learn from this. So there is no one quick solution, but I appreciate what the speaker said. The speaker is a friend and he's speaking my language there. We can't just make investments in one piece or in one corner of the state. It has to be throughout. That means in the short term, creating jobs with infrastructure investment would be beneficial in areas like the Central Valley and the Inland Empire. But it also means investing in workforce development and education to make sure that job centers aren't concentrated on the coast is also going to be important if we want to make sure that our young people have the skills for the 21st century economy and that people don't have to commute you know, 60 miles for employment like my dad did for a number of years. In order to help our communities, people need to work closer to home. And I think that's one of the, one of the lessons that I took out of that quote, but he's definitely not wrong. Your job now is to try and help leading the effort to flip several districts in California from Republican to Democrat. When we met at the California Democratic Party convention a few weeks ago, you said the path to the House majority begins and ends in California. But some of the Republicans you all are targeting, people like Mike Garcia and Michelle Steele and David Daladeo, have beaten Democrats in districts that Joe Biden carried. What is going to be different this time and what has to be different? Well, what has to be different is we have to have candidates who can get their message out. We also have to start early, start communicating to neighbors and friends and knocking on doors. We can't wait until Labor Day to engage in a conversation with with the voter. But I will tell you, some of those candidates have lost federal office before and come back and, and that's to their credit. But some of these candidates can be beat. And it's on us to make sure that we are telling the story that the Biden-Harris administration has created 13 million jobs, that we've made investments in the infrastructure, and we've made investments in the Chips and Science Act to bring back jobs to the country that have been offshored for so many decades. Those are the types of things that Californians want to see. And those are going to be some of the strengths that we can point to. Those are the accomplishments that Democrats will do. Oh, and by the way, we're going to continue to stand for women's reproductive freedom. And when it came to contraceptive care, only eight Republicans in Congress, none from California, voted to allow women to have access to, to contraception. So these are issues that are important in this state. And I think those are going to resonate. The political environment has changed in a post-Dobbs world. Well, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that because as we're right now, we're talking in a home at a fundraiser for Planned Parenthood PAC, where the top ticket's $50,000. You're headlining this with Barbara Lee. We're talking about abortion rights are going to be key, obviously, for Democrats this year. But Democrats talked about abortion last year, too, and after the Dobbs decision, and it, they still didn't pick up some of these seats. Why is that going to change this year? How will the strategy be different in talking about abortion? Well, I think that it resonated with with voters and with people across the country last year. I think it's one of the reasons why Kevin McCarthy wasn't able to build uh, a House majority that was, you know, 40 seats. At one point, he talked about, you know, 40 seat pickups. The big red wave. The big red wave. It never materialized. And I would say that it was in part on the Dobbs decision and Republicans being anti-freedom, anti-reproductive healthcare for women, anti-abortion, and in part, maybe because of the Republican position on January 6th and being opposed to democracy and opposed to a peaceful transfer of power. Those are things that I think resonated with folks. But I will tell you, with respect to these, and I, and I highlighted some of those policies, 
you know, Republicans standing against women crossing state lines to seek abortion care, to seek the health care that they need. In in the local Planned Parenthood affiliate where I'm from in San Bernardino, they have served women in from 32 states in the last 12 months, people who couldn't get care in other states. And so I think that resonates with people. And so I think that this is still going to be an election where we talk about reproductive health, where we talk about women's access to reproductive freedom and the Dobbs decision, this is not going away. And when instead of talking about these issues, Kevin McCarthy puts on censures for Adam Schiff and all these other, you know, banning gas stoves. I mean, all these bills that mean absolutely nothing to lowering the cost for everyday Californians because they have no strategy. They have no solution toward any of those issues. You mentioned some things that the Biden administration has accomplished thus far, but there's still a lot of concern about his age. Let's be real. He's 80 years old and uh, plus six in 10 Californians believe that the state is in an economic recession, even though it is not technically. And young people are particularly concerned about Biden's age. You at 44, you just turned 44. That'd be like a, a teenager in, in, the, in Congress in, in congressional years. What do you do to get young people excited about Biden? I'll interpret that as a happy birthday wish that you're acknowledging That's to a, me. I just sure, said, yes, not? thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank sure, you so you can, much. You uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Look, I think young people are going to gravitate to to some of these issues that we've talked about. But I agree with Joe Biden that uh, elections are about choices. Don't judge him against the almighty. Judge him against the alternative is what he's said time and time again. And sometimes I think we have a, a tendency to want to overanalyze these things. But you know, when people compare the Biden-Harris record versus what Republicans stand for, I think it's very, very easy. And, and elections are just about choices. But the track record that they have built with the support of House Democrats and Senate Democrats as well, creating 13 million jobs, making investments in our communities that have come to the Bay Area here, millions of dollars that's been announced in grants and programs even recently for the Golden Gate restoration. Those are the types of things that are important across the state. And and I think young people are still going to gravitate to the issue of, of choice. This is not about, I live in California, my rights are protected. We have seen time and time again that what Republicans want is a national ban on abortion. And that is their North Star. This is not a party of states' rights anymore. We cannot live in a time where we rest on our laurels and say, I'm in California. We have a you know blue state legislature and a good governor, so we're good. That's not where we're at. And so I think we need to be ever mindful and we need to be sure to tell young young people and young voters do not take for granted the rights that you have and i'd also say you know a barbara lee line that she mentioned to the caucus recently you know this last year we lost rights we have gone back in rights for the first time in our country's history we have taken a step back when it comes to the freedoms and the rights that we enjoy congressman pete aguilar explains what nancy pelosi has taught him and what role she now serves that she's no longer speaker after this short break. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We are back with Congressman Pete Aguilar, the number three Democrat in the House and the highest-ranking Latino ever to serve there. Let's talk about Pelosi. We were talked in L.A. You're talking about how she's really mentored you as now you're in leadership in the House. Talk about some of the things she's been doing to help you in leadership. She's introduced you to fundraisers in the, in the party and, and other things. You've been on her radar for 10 years, at least. I've benefited from you know, learning and listening to, I mean, just if anything, just listening to Nancy Pelosi talk to the caucus has meant so much over the last years. I mean, you know, you, you hear things like, you know, the importance, and I've heard her stress time and time again, money, message, mobilization. Those are the three M's to success. Don't agonize, organize. Look, these are all Pelosiisms. And first, I have to just say, I mean, look, she is, she's on the Mount Rushmore of Democratic politicians. There is no one better at this at this job. So just to be able to, to be near her as, as she shares these stories, as she talks about examples, as she counts votes in the House, it truly is a sight to see. And it is something that I've benefited from in addition to the political leadership, the, the introductions that she's made and the help that she's given us. But our focus is the same. Today, Nancy Pelosi's focus is my focus. And that's making sure that Leader Jeffries becomes Hakeem Jeffries. And we, that is one thing that unites the entire Democratic caucus today. She had a very funny line when she stepped down from the speaker's position that she didn't want to be in the kitchen, being the mother-in-law in the kitchen saying, no, my son doesn't like the meatballs like that. How would she sort of help you behind the scenes, you know, in terms of strategy and messaging, et cetera, et cetera? She's always there. And she is definitely someone who we can reach out to and we can talk to as we had the debt limit conversations. She is definitely someone who we who we talked to about the position that we were in as House Democrats from the perspective of wanting to protect against a Republican-led default. She has a little bit of experience working with Republicans uh, on this issue. You know, we always know that she is there willing to give advice, but it, it's not like she's, you know, waving her arms and saying, you need to do this. She is allowing us the, the space and allowing Hakeem the space to, to lead the Democratic caucus because we have so much faith in him as, as a leader. But the fact that we have people like Nancy Pelosi and, and Jim Clyburn and Steny Hoyer who are still among our ranks, who we can reach out to, just means the world to us, to, to the House Democratic Caucus. And we're going to continue to soak up the knowledge and, and learn from them as long as we, we possibly can. And I hope it's it's longer. I had lunch with Mark DeSonia today, Congressman from Concord. He was telling me that he, how shook he was the other day. You alluded to this earlier when you all were in the well of the, the House floor when Adam Schiff was being censured. Only three people have been censured in the last 25 years. And typically censure is a form of basically public shaming where the, the person who is being censured is supposed to be down there all alone. But in this case, all the House Democrats, particularly the California delegation, were down there surrounding him. Walk, walk us through what the scene was like and what that was like. It was important for the California delegation members to be there to to lend support to Adam. I think this just highlighted how extreme House Republicans are. You know, the fact that they would do this, that they would that they would censure Adam for doing his job doesn't speak 
to House Republicans as a whole. It speaks to the fact that they are held captive by the most extreme members of their party. There is no way that they would do that in prior Congresses under a Speaker John Boehner. That would have never happened. But because Kevin McCarthy had to make so many deals to the fringe elements of his party, this was one of those deals. I'm certain that it that it was that he agreed to do in order to secure votes for whatever he needed to. That's how I view it. And I think history will judge it that Adam did his job, that he is, is, is thoughtful, and that he helped lead House Democrats in an important time and lead our country in an important time. That's what I've told him. And, and that's how I feel. And so I think it was important for us for the California delegation to to be with him and to show our support of him during that time. So you, as being part of this new generation of leadership, in about six months into the gig, what do you want to do differently than previous generations? And, you know, you don't have to, this isn't a diss on Pelosi or whatever, but it is, you know, everybody does things differently. Well, specifically within my role, guiding the Democratic Caucus, being chair of the Democratic Caucus, every time we convene, my job is to is to hold the gavel, is to have a little bit of order to make sure that, that we are focused on the right things. And one of the things that we have been intentional about is making sure that everybody has the right amount of information. If we're going to have disagreements, even among House Democrats, it needs to be from the perspective that we all have the same facts. And one example of that is during the debt limit discussion, we had nine hours of briefings on the policy of the debt limit deal, just making sure every single member of the Democratic caucus had an ability to receive the specific information they wanted so they could formulate a position that is best for their district. And so those are the types of things that, that we want to do. We want to make sure we respect each other as policymakers that we come to the right conclusions ultimately, but we need to make sure that we're all operating and receiving the same amount of information. And so that was one one thing that we were able to do that I was very proud of. And I, I imagine you have new appreciation for how Pelosi's held together the progressive wing and the moderate wing of, of this very big umbrella. We are a rich mosaic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Congressman Pete Aguilar, thanks for being on It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. And I, you know, when Jeffries was on, I asked him for some his favorite Tupac line, but I'm not. I'm going to spare you that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a West Coast guy yeah. uh, <laughs> as, as well, so I appreciate that. Thanks for having me, Joe. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your family are safe and healthy. Thanks to Congressman Pete Aguilar for being my guest today. Thanks to Cecilia Lay and Gary Baca for editing and producing this episode. And remember... No matter what part of California you come from, it's all political on Fifth and Mission.